Chapter One of the Stones of Venice, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pablo Gonzalez. The Stones of Venice, Volume Two, by John Ruskin. The Frame. In the olden days of travelling, now to return no more in which distance could not be vanquished with that toll, but in which that toll was rewarded, partly by the power of deliberate survey of the countries through which the journey lay, and partly by the happiness of the evening hours, when, from the top of the last hill he had surmounted, the traveller beheld the quiet village where he was to rest, scattered among the meadows beside its valley stream, or, from the long hoped-for turn, in the dusty perspective of the causeway, saw for the first time the towers of some famed city faint in the rays of sunset hours of peaceful and thoughtful pleasure for which the rush of the arrival in the railway station is perhaps not to always or to all men an equivalent in those days i say when there was something more to be anticipated and remembered in the first aspect of each successive halting place than a new arrangement of glass roofing and iron girder there were few moments at which the recollection was more fondly cherished by the traveller than that which, as I endeavoured to describe in the close of the last chapter, brought him within sight of Venice, as his gondola shot into the open lagoon from the canal of Mestre. Not but that the aspect of the city itself was generally the source of some slight disappointment, for, seeing this direction, its buildings are far less characteristic than those of other great towns of Italy, but of this inferiority was partly disguised by distance and more than atoned for by the strange rising of its walls and towers of the midst as it seemed of the deep sea for it was impossible that the mind of the eye could at once comprehend the shallowness of the vast sheet of water which stretched away in leagues of rippling lustre to the north and south or traced a narrow line of violets bounding it to the east the salt breeze the white moaning sea-birds the masses of black weed separating and disappearing gradually in knots of heaving shoal under the advance of the steady tide all proclaimed it to be indeed the ocean in whose bosom the great city rested so calmly not such blue soft lake like ocean as bathes the near portal and promontories or sleeps beneath the marble rocks of genoa but a sea with the bleak power of our own northern waves yet subdued into a strange spacious rest and changed from his angry parlour into a field of burnished gold as the sun declined behind the belfry tower at the lonely island church fitly named st george the seaweed as the boat drew nearer to the city the coast which the traveller had just left sank behind him into a long low circular line tufted irregularly with brushwood and willows but at all seem its northern extremity the hills of aqua rose in a dark cluster of purple pyramids balanced on the bright mirage of the lagoon two or three smooth surges of inferior hills extended themselves about the roots and beyond this beginning with the craggy peaks of Vicenza, and the chain the chain of the alps scattered the whole horizon to the north a wall of jagged blue here and there showing through its cliffs a wilderness of misty precipices fading far back into the recesses of cadore and itself rising and breaking away eastward 
where the sun struck opposite upon its snow into mighty fragments of peaked light standing up behind the barred clouds of evening one after another countless the crown of the aegean sea until the eye turned back from pursuing them to rest upon the nearer burning of the campanilas of morano and all the great city where he magnified himself along the waves as the quick sound pacing of the gondola drew nearer and nearer and at last when its walls were reached and the utmost of its untrodden streets was entered not through towered gates or guarded ramparts but as a deep inlet between two rocks of coral in the indian sea when first upon a traveller's side opened the long ranges of column palaces each with its black boat moored at the portal each with its image cast down beneath its feet upon that green pavement which every breeze broke into new fantasies of rich tessellation when first at extremity of bright vista the shadowy rialto threw its colossal curves slowly forth from behind the palace of camerlenghi that strange curve so delicate so adamantine strong as a mountain cavern graceful as a bow just bent when first before its mullah's circumference was all risen before its mullah's circumference was all risen the gondolier's cry ah stanley struck sharp upon the ear and the proud turned aside under the mighty cornices that half met over the narrow canal with the plash of the water followed close and loud ringing along the marble by the boat's side and when at last the boat darted forth upon the breath of the silver sea across which the fall of the ducal canal flushed with its sanguine veins licked to the snowy dome of our lady of salvation it was no marvel that the mind should be so deeply entranced with a visionary charm for scene so beautiful and so strange as to forget the darker truth of its history and its being or might it seem that such a city had owed her existence rather to the rather the enchanter than the fear of the fugitive that the waters which encircled her had been chosen for the mirror of her state rather than the shelter of her nakedness and that all which in nature was wild and merciless time and decay as well as the waves and tempests had been wont to adorn her instead of destroy and might still spare for ages to come that beauty which seemed to have fixed of its frame in the sands of the hourglass as well as of the sea and all there the last few eventful years fraught with change to the face of the whole earth had been more fatal in the influence in venice than five hundred that preceded them though the noble landscape approached to her can now be seen no more or seen only by a glance as the engine slackens its rushing to the iron line and that many of her palaces are forever defaced and many desecrated ruins there is still so much magic in her aspect that the hurried traveller who must leave her before the wonder of that first aspect has been worn away will still be led to forget the humility of her origin and to shut his eyes to the death of desolation they at least a little to be envied in whose hearts the great charities of imagination lie dead and for whom the fancy has no power to repress the importunity of painful impressions or to raise what is ignoble and disguise what is discordant in a scene so rich in its remembrances so surpassing in its beauty but for this work of the imagination there must be no permission during the task which is before us 
the impotent feelings of romance so singularly characteristic of this century may indeed go but never save the remains of those mightier ages to which they are attached like climbing flowers and they must be torn away from the magnificent fragments if we would see them as they stood in their own strength those feelings always as fruitless as they are formed are in venice the tool incapable of protecting even of discerning the objects to which they also have been attached the venice of modern fiction and drama is a thing of yesterday a more efflorescence of decay a stage dream which the first day of daylight must dissipate into dust no prisoner whose name is worth remembering but whose sorrow deserves sympathy ever crossed the bridge of sight which is the centre of the baronic ideal of venice no great merchant of venice ever saw that rialto under which the traveller now passes to breathless interest the statue that Byron makes valiero address as one of his great ancestors was erected to a soldier of fortune a hundred and fifty years after valiero's death and the most conspicuous parts of the city have been so entirely altered in the course of the last three centuries that if henry dandolo or francis Foscari could be summoned from the tombs and stood each in the deck of his galley at the entrance of the grand canal that renowned entrance the painter's favourite subject the novelist's favourite scene but the water first narrows by the steps of the church of la salute the mighty dodges who not know in what support of the world is stood allegedly not recognised when stones the great city for whose sake and by whose ingratitude the grey hairs have been brought down with bitterness to the grave the remains of the venice lie hidden behind the cumbrous masses which were the delight of the nation in its dotage hidden in many a grass-grown court and silent pathway and lightless canal where the slow waves have stepped the foundation for five hundred years and must soon prevail over them for ever it must be ever tasked to glean and gather them forth and restore out of them some faint image of the lost city more gorgeous a thousandfold than that which now exists yet not created in the daydreams of the prince nor by the ostentation of the noble but built by iron hands and patient hearts contending against the adversity of nature and the fury of man so that its wonderfulness cannot be grasped by the indolence of imagination but only after frank inquiry into the true nature of that wild and solitary scene whose restless ties and trembling sands did indeed shelter the birth of the city but long denied her dominion when the eye falls casually on the map of europe there is no feature by which it is more likely to be arrested than a strange sweeping route formed by the junction of the alps and the apennines and enclosing the great basin of lombardy this return of the mountain chain upon itself causes a vast difference in the character of distribution of its debris on opposite sides the rock fragments and sediments which the torrents on the north side of the alps bear into the plains are distributed over a vast extent of country and though here and there lodged in beds of enormous thickness soon permit the ferns of strata to appear from underneath them but all the torrents which descend from the southern side of the high alps and from the northern slope of the apennines meet concentrically in the recess of mountain bay which the two ridges enclose every fragment which thunder breaks out of the battlements and every grain of dust which in the summer rain washes from the pastures is at last laid at rest in the blue sea of lombardic plain 
and the rain must have risen in these rocky barriers as it cup fills the wine of her two contrary influences which continually depress or disperse from the surface the accumulation of the ruins of age i will not tax the reader's fate in modern science by insisting on the singular depression of the surface of lombardy which appears for many centuries to have taken place steadily and continually the main fact with which we have to do is the gradual transport by the Po and its great glacial rivers of vast masses of finer sediment to the sea the character of the lombardic plains is most strikingly expressed by the ancient walls of its cities composed for the most part of large branded alpine pebbles alternating with narrow courses of brick and was curiously illustrated in eighteen forty eight by the ramparts of these same pebbles thrown at four or five feet high round every field to check the austrian cavalry into battle under the walls of verona the finer dust among which these pebbles are dispersed is taken up by the rivers fed into continual strength by the alpine snow so that however pure the waters may be when they issue from the lakes at the foot of the great chain they become the colour and opacity of clay before they reach the adriatic the sediment which they bear is at once thrown down as they enter the sea forming a vast belt of low land along the eastern coast of italy a powerful stream of both course builds forward the fastest on each side of it in north and south there is a track of marsh fed by more feeble streams and less liable to rapid change in the delta of the central river in one of these tracts is built ravenna and in the other venice what circumstances directed a peculiar arrangement of this great belt of sediment in the earliest times it is not here the place to inquire it is enough for us to know that from the mouth of the adige to those of the piave the stretches as a variable distance of from three to five miles from the actual shore a bank of sand divided into long islands by narrow channels of sea the space between this bank and true shore consists the sedimentary deposits of these and other rivers a great plain of calcareous mud covered in the neighbourhood of venice by the sea at high water to deserve in most places of a foot or a foot and a half and nearly every rack exposed at low tide are divided by an intricate network of narrow and winding channels from which the sea never retires in some places according to the run of the currents the land has risen into marshy islets consolidated some by art and some by time into ground firm enough to be built upon or fruitful enough to be cultivated in others on the contrary it has not reached the sea level so that at the average low water shallow lakeless glitter among its irregularly exposed fields of seaweed in the midst of the largest of these increased in importance by the confluence of several large river channels toward one of the openings in the sea-bank the city of venice itself is built on a crowded cluster of islands the various spots of higher grandeur appear to the northern side of this central cluster have at different periods been also thickly inhabited and now bare according to the size the remains of cities villages or isolated convents and churches scattered among spaces of open ground partly raised by encumbered by ruins partly under cultivation for the supply of the metropolis the average rise and fall of tide is about three feet varying considerably with the seasons but this fall and so flat ashore it is enough to cause continual movement in the waters 
and in the main canal to produce a reflux which frequently runs like a mill stream. A high water no longer is visible for many miles to the north or south of Venice, except in the form of small islands crowned with towers or gleaming with villages. There is a channel some three miles wide between the city and the mainland, and some mile and a half wide between it and the sandy breakwater called the Lido, which divides the lagoon from the Adriatic, but which is so slow as hardly to disturb the impression of the city's having built in the midst of the ocean, although the secret of its true position is partly, yet not painfully, betrayed by the clusters of piles that mark the deep water channels which undulate far away in spotty chains like the studded bags of the huge sea snakes, and by the quick glittering of the crescent crowded waves that flicker and dance before the strong winds upon the unlifted level of the shallow sea. But the scene is rather different at low tide. A fall of eighteen or twenty inches is enough to show ground over the greater part of the lagoon, and at the complete ebb the city is seen standing in the midst of a dark plain of seaweed, of gloomy green, except only where the larger branches of Brenta and associated streams converge towards the port of the Lido. Through this salt and sombre plain of the gondola, and the fishing boat advanced by the tortuous channels, seldom more than four or five feet deep, and often so choked with slime that the heavier kills furrow the bottom till crossing tracks are seen through the clear sea water, like the reds upon a wintry road and the yaw leaves look gashes upon the ground at every stroke, or is entangled among the thick weed that fringes the banks with the weight of the sullen waves, leaning to and fro upon the uncertain sway of the exhausted tide. The scene is often a profoundly oppressive, and, even at this day, when the every plot of higher ground bears some fragment of fair building, but, in order to know what it was once, let the traveller follow in his boat at evening, the windings of some infrequented channel far into the midst of the melancholy plain. Let him remove, in his imagination, the brightness of the great city that still extends itself in the distance, and the walls and towers, and the islands that are near, and so wait, until the bright investiture and sweet warmth the sunset are withdrawn from the waters, and the black desert of the shore lies in the nakedness beneath the night, pathless, comfortless, infirm, lost in dark longer, and fearful silence, except where the salt runlets match into the tireless balls and the seabirds float from the margins with a questioning cry, and he will be enabled to enter some sort into the horror of hearts with which this solitude is anciently chosen by man for his habitation. Their little thought, who first drove the stakes into the sand, and strew the ocean reeds for the rest, that the children were to be princes of that ocean, and their palace is described, and yet, in the great natural laws that rule that sorrowful wilderness, let it be remembered what strange preparation had been made for the things which no human imagination could have foretold, and how the whole existence and fortune of the Venetian nation be anticipated or compelled by the setting of those bars and doors of the rivers and sea. Had deep currents divided the islands, Coastal navies would again and again have reduced the rising city to servitude, had stronger surges beaten the shores, or the richness and refinement of the Venetian architecture must have been exchanged for the walls and bulwarks of an ordinary seaport. Had there been no tide, as in other parts of the Mediterranean, the narrow canals of the city would have become noisome, and the marsh in which it was built pestiferous. 
Had the tide been only a foot or eighteen inches higher in its rise, the water access to the doors of the palaces would have been impossible. Even as it is, there is sometimes a little difficulty at the ebb. In landing without setting foot upon the lower and slippery steps, and the high strides sometimes enter the courtyards and overflow the entrance halls, eighteen inches more difference between the level of the flood and ebb would have rendered the doorsteps of every palace at low water, such as massive reeds and limpets, and the entire system of water carriage for the higher classes. Knew that easy and daily intercourse must have been done away with. The streets of the city would have been widened, its network of canals filled up, and all the peculiar character of the place and the people destroyed. The reader may perhaps have felt some pain in the contrast between this faithful view of the size of the Venetian frame, and the romantic conception of it, which we ordinarily form, but this pain, if he have felt it, ought to be more than counterbalanced by the value of the instance thus afforded to us at once of the inscrutable and the wisdom of the race of God. If two thousand years ago we have permitted to watch the slow settling of the slime of those turbid rivers into the polluted sea, and the gaining upon its deep and fresh waters of the lifeless, impassable, unvoyageable plain, how little could we have understood the purpose with which these islands we shape out of the void, and the torpid waters enclosed with the desolate walls of sand, how little could we have known, any more than of what now seems to us most distressful, dark and objectless. The glorious aim, which was then in the mind of him in whose hand are all the corners of the earth, how little imagine that in the laws which were stretching forth the gloomy margins of these fruitless banks, and feeding the bitter grass among the shallows, there was indeed a preparation, and the only preparation possible was the founding of a city which was to be set like a golden cloth on the girdle of the earth, to write history, and white across the sea surges, and to bird it in the thunder, and to gather and give forth a mellow pulsation, the glory of the west and of the east, from the burning heart of a fortitude and splendor. End of chapter 1 The Frame Recording by Pagons Alice in Cavita, Philippines.